my wife might come running down here because she wants to meet you. You always want to be the best at something. Gotta, I've got to draw you. I might have to retire. I, some place like TikTok is yeah. really dangerous for people like us. How different could my life have been? Huh, I do those things too. It's not a curse. No humility whatsoever. One of my top three video game, favorite video games of all time was Kid Chameleon. That was terrifying. I got some good advice for you. No, you don't. What's up, everybody? This is Bad Advice Wednesdays, and I am Chesco the Speech Prop. And this is the show, obviously, where we attempt not to ruin your life with our bad advice, but we are giving you that warning in advance that this is intentionally bad. And for anyone listening for the first time, these questions were submitted with the intent at getting bad advice answers for them. So this is not, uh, this should not come as a surprise for anybody. Anyway, uh, my guest today is one of my favorite creators. It's actually someone that I have followed for a very long time and only recently uh, connected with uh, as, as a mutual friend uh, on the internet. Um, so this is one of the few occasions where I know a lot more about our guest today than, than he knows about me. Uh, but before we ruin your life together, I think it's important for you all to get a chance to know who this guest is. Uh, so I could say a lot about you, but I always like to give my, the, for the first question to, uh, to be for my guests to introduce themselves and kind of tell people what they should expect to see uh, if they were to to stumble upon your page on social media. Oh, <laughs> well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I love, love, love your content. I love your advice. I love everything. And my wife might come running down here because she wants to meet you. So <laughs> fair warning. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, um, I, 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 I'm an artist and uh, I, I, you know, I went to art school and my career kind of just, I started off in video games uh, and then uh, I did animation for things like Power Rangers and Casper the Ghost and, and whatnot. And then um, I started, I got a chance to do my childhood dream, which was Spider-Man. I wanted to be the artist on Spider-Man. That was, I didn't do that till like my early thirties. And um, so it's hard to describe myself because my career has gone from comic books to video games to animation. Um, I've, I've written a bunch of uh, children's books and graphic novels. Um, I had a web comic series for a long time. And uh, and then I made a movie. And, and now I'm making YouTube content. So it's, it, it's, it's a really hard thing to try to define your life uh, in a single sentence. And, and so usually I just say I'm an artist or I'm a storyteller. And, um, so yeah, so if you, if you come across any of my content, it's, it's mostly, I think it's better that it's mostly me. It's, it's, it's not, here's how to draw this or here's how to draw that. It's mostly just, um, I try to have it be a little bit more about me and the things I'm struggling with and to try to humanize uh creation you know whether it's writing or art or whatever it might be i try to uh let people know that um we're all human we all have uh, our doubts and our fears and um yeah that's, <laughs> that's no, I, I, I and that's i, I think that sums it up really nice. i know i stumbled across your page uh, i follow a lot of artists i've always been i've never I don't, I don't like saying I'm not a good artist. I know art, you know, it's, it's subjective and it's, it's meant to be you know, the expression, but obviously there's, um, you know, 
there are levels of quality, I think, to, to art, obviously, uh, that exists. But I've always loved, loved art. And so whenever I join a new platform, that the first people I follow are the artists, right? Because it's such a visual uh, medium and you just get, it's just, it's just a fun thing to see other people sharing their talent uh, in that way. And you were one, actually one of the first people I followed on TikTok. Um, and I, but you didn't start showing up on my FYP a ton at first until you started drawing basically everyone else I was following. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was during your, your sketchbook challenge yeah. and it was every single person was somebody I loved. And I was a tiny, tiny creator at that point. Uh, and you, you'll have no memory of this because obviously you, you were getting thousands upon thousands of comments, but I commented on one of your videos. Um, I'm going to keep doing content until I'm big <laughs> enough that someone like Scott draws me. <laughs> And it was funny. Because, uh, and now I get you on my podcast. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. funny because just before this started, I was like, "I've got to, I've got to draw you." So we're going to make that happen. But yeah, I might have to retire. I, then, so that was. <laughs> but no, I, I think that was a lot of fun. Um, the whole, you know, pandemic and and you know the two thousands twenty twenty. Sorry, uh, was just so interesting meeting. It was it was like we were all kind of reaching out to each other, looking for some sort of hope, some sort of um, connection, you know, something something to just connect us. And and we did. We you know we found I, I connected with nurses and doctors and uh, indigenous people and you know, just, just dancers and actors. And, and so it was just really, really, I learned about gender pronouns. I learned about, you know, like I, I learned so much from interacting with people from all over the world. And I think that was the amazing thing about, about that. And it, it, and it was very, like you said, it was very overwhelming. There was, you know, so much going on and, um, I think I've kind of gotten a better handle on it now, but yeah, back then I, I do remember getting a comment like that. I don't know if it was you, but I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting too, because you're, I think what drew me to your page, what really has kept me on your page is your, it's your combination of kind of storytelling with the art. Uh, and so like, cause I can watch an artist with just music. Um, right. And, and it's, but it's, it'll, they'll all kind of blend together in my head. Uh, as just this, you know, I, I can't remember who it was that drew what uh, oftentimes, but what, what kept me with your page was just, you are, you're such a natural storyteller. Uh, and I don't know if you have a background with, with that at all, or if it's just kind of your personality, but hearing you kind of be so open, I think, and honest, both about your struggles and about your life and about your mental health, um, and just about your journey as both an artist and as a human has always been such a unique detail to your art that goes above and beyond the the beautiful work that you're kind of showcasing <laughs> on the screen. Thanks. And I appreciate that. I I um I don't think I realized it until maybe just a few months ago. Um I was going through a really rough time and just overwhelmed. I think I was burnt out and um it was it was actually Santa J. Claus who who encouraged me to get in front of the camera because I, at the beginning, I was just doing the the time lapse videos and whatnot, and um, so he was one who really just encouraged me. And for someone who's, I didn't know at the time, but I'm autistic, and you know, for me, I was just always just shy, is what people would say, and um, that was terrifying to put myself in front of the camera, um, but. 
once I started to talk about my career, talk about things like that, um, I found a like a connection. I think so. When you say a natural storyteller, it doesn't feel natural. It feels like something I've been trying to learn to do. Um, and and so, uh, but I think naturally, I um, and an overly honest person. I tell too much about myself, and and so in some place like it's same. I, had, I if anybody knows what you're yeah. saying, <laughs> so some place like TikTok is yeah. really dangerous for people like us, you know. And and so yeah, I'll tell everything. So my wife is always like, "Don't mention it. Don't talk about it. you know." So, but um, yeah, I I um I think there was just a uh, a time like I said when I was kind of going through that burnout where I was looking back on before TikTok, I had probably spent a good 10, 15 years of posting my art on websites, posting on Instagram, posting on Twitter, posting on whatever. And I had maybe 1500 followers, you know, and now I have about 3 million across my socials. And I was just wondering why did something change on TikTok? And it was because of the storytelling because just posting your art is just posting art. But when you put a story behind it, when you talk about something, when you talk about the meaning behind it or what you were feeling, and I think that's been what's really connected with people was for them to see an artist who shares that, I didn't like this, or I really didn't, I, I wasn't confident with this, or, or, or I just don't really feel like my work is very good or very important and I have imposter syndrome and for them to hear that from a successful artist uh, is encouraging and and I it's funny because I have a little post-it that I wrote down which was encourage and uh, and and that's what I have to do with I like I always say my art's not going to be in the Louvre one day. It's not going to be at the Met. It's you know, like my, my, my art is it. And I go, and I think, but neither was like Bob Ross's art. Like, you know, you like, you don't see his work going for millions. He just would get up there and he would, but people remember Bob Ross for the encouragement. You can do this. This is simple. This is this, this is, if I could do it, you could do it kind of thing. And I realized that my place here isn't to create art that's going to be remembered for all time but maybe to encourage those who might you know to do that and so that's really kind of and and i think that's sometimes a bitter pill for an artist whether they be a musician or a writer or something like that is to say you know um i'm not going to be one of the greats but Maybe maybe I can help teach a new generation or encourage a new generation of greats, and uh, that that's a that's a realization I came to honestly probably within the past five six years of my life, uh, or more of an acceptance yeah. of that. Like because you know you always you always think you always want to be the best at something, like the best ever at something, or, or one of the best ever, um, and it's okay. Not because you you because you're definitely going to be the best ever to individuals. Yeah, right. There are people that will absolutely remember one of your paintings or one of your stories till the day they die. That's gonna your words are still gonna stick with them. 
And that is just as meaningful as having a song that, that just happens to be remembered by a, a larger number of, of people. But it's a hard acceptance because um, we're taught that that's not okay. And I think that's right? a very we grow American up thinking thing you're supposed too. to want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we've got to be the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> One thing you mentioned right now is something I, I've really, really appreciated um, we're, we're in the process right now of getting one of my children evaluated for autism. And I think there's been, there's such a stigma around it. Um, uh, and I'm sure you, you're very aware of it, obviously having been diagnosed yourself. Um, uh, and, and I think a lot of times we, we even, even the most progressive people that are open-minded and listen and try not to be judgmental still have this fear instilled in us like, oh my, what if? And and I think it's so important to have people like yourself that admirable, wonderful individuals uh, that are being willing to be open about that so that people see it's not something to be afraid of. Yeah. Right. It's just it's another trait that they have. It's not a curse. It's not a <laughs> something that you, you should now be ashamed of or scared of yeah. or afraid to. It's just an, it's just something else to be aware of so that you can support both yourself or in my case, my child. Um, with and I think the more social media has done so much for me as a parent and just seeing that 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 fear is is such it's it's unwarranted it's ungrounded yeah it's, it's not something that really really is um not not to say fear is not okay to feel but but it, it it's grounded in, st in in stuff that's not based in reality yeah yeah right and seeing the reality is so important um and not and and not everybody is able to do that and so the fact that you you were willing to share that part of your journey with us i think is really important and i, I appreciate no, it no thank you i mean i i uh, again tiktok and um seeing people like uh, kidiosaurus um seeing nicole uh, sound of the forest um uh Seeing other neurodivergent people being very open about that, um, and I and I and I know a lot of other people. They're like, "Huh, I do those things too." I wonder, you right? Know? And <laughs> and um, yeah. So it was one of those things where, yeah, maybe I should go get checked out. And um, but you know, I was fifty three when I got diagnosed. I'm fifty four now, and. There's a there's a lot of um, imposter syndrome when you get diagnosed like this because, um, like, I'm not, like, on the edge of the spectrum. I'm, like, into the spectrum, you know? And um, there's so much masking that I've done my entire life that I'm trying to let go of and... Um, because it's exhausting and, and I, I'm, it's hard because when your family and your friends, um, see you wearing headphones or see you not like trying to keep eye contact, you know, like, I'm just like, I'm not going to try it. You know, like I'm listening, don't worry, you know, and, um, they think it's rude and, and, um, they think, they think, oh, now you've got the diagnosis. Now you're going to act like an autistic person. And, and, um, so there's a lot of internal struggle for someone who's diagnosed after a lifetime of not even knowing what autism was, you know? And, and so there's a lot of learning and there's a lot of therapy and a lot of, uh, just, just, um, 
trying to be more comfortable in my own skin for the first time. And my wife has been amazing um, with that. And we have a lot of really good conversations uh, about that. You know, she's like, why didn't you, you know, it's always, why didn't you ever tell, I, I didn't know that wasn't normal. I didn't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, like I, yeah. I'll be, I'll be down here and I'll go, something smells bad, you know, and I'll go running upstairs and I'll track it down and the milk went bad. And she's like literally standing in the kitchen about to pour the milk and she can't smell it. And I'm like, how do you, and she's like, how do you smell that? Or how, but, and, but that's a, that's a perfect example. You said people are like afraid, quote unquote, afraid they're going, you're going to start acting autistic. You're like, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is there. There's, you just didn't have a name. I didn't have a name. You didn't have a a word for it. And, and, and I'm, you know, my entire life, I, in a crowded place, I am so uncomfortable in all of the different conversations going on that I can't focus. And people think I'm just disinterested or they think I'm just being rude my entire life. Now I could either put on headphones or just say, look, I, I just, there's too much going on. There's too much stimulation. And I can at least now, um, describe what's going on and know that that's not what everybody else. I just thought everybody heard every conversation in a room at the exact same level at the exact, you know, and, and now I know that that's just not, that's not true. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, bar and girl fans. It's Jim with Madhouse bar talk where me and my co host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Related, but obviously very different is why I'm ADHD, but I was diagnosed at 37. And I know I felt... And I'm I'm curious if you felt a very similar thing, almost uh, a form of grief uh, over not having known this about myself earlier because of, of of some very similar reasons of wondering how different, not that I don't love my life, right? Not that I'm not happy with the person that I am, but how different could my life have been? How many of those moments where I really struggled and was really ostracized could have could have been alleviated or, or just never have happened at all if I had known. Yeah. Um, and it, and that was, I think, the hardest part of the diagnosis. While I was very happy to finally have it once again, words and research and things that I could find out more about myself with. It was still very hard, especially later in life, to know that that things could have been different. Yeah. Right. And and what and and the wonder of just just what could have been. Is, is stuck with me and something I'm still kind of, I'm still dealing I, with. I tend to, when I'm, when I'm in therapy, I started therapy this year, which was really good for me. Um, but uh, I, I tend to re, um, refer to my younger self as young Scott, because I see him as this, this separate person. And, um, and I keep thinking, oh my God, you know, he, he, no one knew that he was autistic. He didn't know that he was autistic, you know? And, and I think of all of those moments where, you know, had my mom known, had my dad known, you know, had the teachers known, you know, I wouldn't have struggled so much with this. I wouldn't have, you know, but, and, and, and you're right, you know, like I always look back and said, I had a great childhood, 
you know, I had a good childhood, you know, but when you look at it through the lens of that kid's autistic, and then you realize the struggles that they were going through, this is why they were having a hard time in school. This is why they had a hard time making friends. This is why they, they struggled to understand, you know, these things and what was going on and, and, and uh, why this bothered them so much, you know, um, you feel bad, you feel bad for young you yeah. and, um, Right. As if it's a, like you said, as if it's an entirely different exactly. person. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, you know, because um, it's, it's that new discovery of a, like you through a different lens. And uh, it's, it's almost like um, an alternate timeline, you know, like, like yeah, you can kind of absolutely. look back and, and then you start to think, what if in that alternate timeline, I could go back and I could explain this to doctors and, and the par- my parents and whatnot how much different would my life have been, like you said. And um, and I wonder, and, and there are some things that I think about um, that I've learned to mask, um, like, like having this conversation here. You know, I've learned to sit up straight and to try not to, you know, my, my inclination is to pace around when I talk. My inclination is to um, be fidgeting with things. And, and I've learned to to not do that because it's rude, because it's this, you know, but had I been raised with the knowledge that I'm autistic um, and learned to accept who I am, I probably wouldn't be doing that right now. I probably, you know, would, would be much more uncomfortable in this situation. So am I, have I bet what did I in some way benefit from not knowing because I was forced to create those skills? You know, these are things that run through my head, you know, am I better or worse off for it? You know, because (laughs) I know, I know it would have been easier for me as a younger, but am I kind of reaping some benefits if I learned some coping skills along the way through those hardships? Maybe. Absolutely. So I don't have a good transition for, but I want to ask you about something uh, that I, I saw you make a video about a while back. So my literally probably one of my top three video game, favorite video games of all time was Kid Chameleon. Uh, I, and I saw that you, that was one of your first, uh, jobs as an artist. And I just want, I want to know how did that happen? Like, so were you at how, like, were you in college or, and, and you got this opportunity? I, I, it's, I don't know if anybody else would be interested, but that's been, <laughs> that has stuck with me because of how uh, I, cause no one's ever heard like, and it's, you know, cause it's old, quote unquote old, yeah. uh, that I talked to people about this game and they're like, they're, they don't know what I'm talking about. Cause nobody remembers Sega anything. Genesis. It, or Genesis. Yeah, sorry. Sega Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. yeah. But I absolutely love that game. And I'd love to know kind of just like what, how did that happen? Yeah. How did you get into the video game industry? So my, um, I, I, I was born in Yonkers, New York, but when I was four, we moved to Florida and I lived in Miramar, Florida. Um, and uh, somewhere along the way, my dad got into um, working on pinball machines. And uh, I think it was like a Bally Midway or something. And he was working on pinball machines. He was a mechanical engineer. So you would get those, make those bumpers and flippers and, and whatnot. And um, around 1979, 1980, he got offered a job at Atari. You know, that was during Atari's big, you know, console 2600 thing. But he was in the uh, the arcade division because, again, he was doing pinballs and stuff. So he worked there and um, that's where the whole paperboy thing happened and whatnot when I was a kid. Um, and then he went on to go work at Lockheed Martin. So we were in the Bay Area and I was going to art school at uh, the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And 
I was going from job to job, you know, like side jobs, you know, and my dad's, because this was back in the, this is 1990, I think. And, um, you know, so you'd still get job listings in a newspaper. And so he, and they were looking for artists. Sega of America was looking for artists. And he just saw artists, you know, and um, they were, and so he's like, uh, you know, hey, look, they're looking for artists. And I, and I looked, I was like, well, this is to be an animator in video games. I don't know any of that. And he's like, try, you know, that was when my right. dad was like, try anything. <laughs> and so I went out there and I brought my portfolio and there was like you know, 20, 30 people with, you know, portfolios and whatnot there. And so you waited your turn. And, and Mark Cerny, who was the, the head of Sega of America at the time, he brought me in and I showed him my portfolio and um, uh, they, he said, okay, so they gave me like a test. I think they give everybody a test. And because this was a time when no one knew how to animate on the computer, right. you know, this was 16, right. this was pixel by pixel. Um, and, and I'm sure they were probably hoping that like a Disney traditional animator was going to walk in the door, but you know, this was San Francisco. And, and, and so I, I, uh, they, they gave you like an assignment. This was like a Friday. And they wanted you to come back on Monday. And I think it was something silly like draw an apple or something like that. They just wanted to see how you took, uh, you know, um, direction. But me being me, on the way out, I saw that uh, they were working on the Warren Beatty, Madonna, Dick Tracy video game at the time. And uh, and so I went to the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the newsstand. And I picked up like, a magazine that had some pictures in it and I did an illustration over the weekend of Dick Tracy and and so I came in and I showed him the um uh the apple that I did and I said oh and by the way I did the 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 cover for your video game like just no no I don't know <laughs> no humility whatsoever here you can use this for the cover of the game you know and uh and I and I kind of got a laugh, and he's like, "I like your moxie, kid," and that's where I got the internship. And basically, you know, they they did 1990 really didn't have computers. There weren't really many home computers, um, so it was on their own proprietary system. And really, the best way I can explain animating is like if you were animating with Lego blocks. It was just you know we had 16 pixels by 16 pixels, and you had I think eight or eight or maybe 16 colors and and you just you we had to i animated the samurai and the the there was the guy in the tank um and uh so i mean i remember doing some of that stuff and you know because i was an intern i don't think i got any credits in the game and uh you know but it was really that kicked kicked off my entire video game career and I went on to be a game designer and a producer and I got to work on some really cool games but that was that was the it's very rare when um industries are so new that companies will take anybody off the street you know it's like ah he can draw we'll give him a shot you know give him a shot you know and and it was just (laughs) one of those situations where I was just in the right place at the right time and uh I remember maybe about a year or so ago, reaching out to Mark Cerny. I think he's like the head of Sony or Nintendo or something crazy like that now. But um, I, I reached out to him. And I thanked him for 
you know, giving me my start and the career that I had because I would have never even considered animation. And, you know, from, from that turned into me doing animation and TV and film and then writing and directing my own film after that. So it's like everything just went from that one interview from my dad just reading that artist wanted in the newspaper. Hey everybody, I know this is an awkward place to pause the episode, but normally I try to keep these down to roughly 30 minutes and there's over 40 minutes of just amazing content from Scott going forward. That I, and I, I've been sitting here for hours trying to figure out how do I cut this down and why, why would I do that? Instead, I'm just gonna split this into two separate episodes and come back next week and, and hear some amazing, even more amazing stories, including uh, how Scott ended up casting his movie with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and actual bad advice and a lot more good advice from both Scott and myself. Thanks again. If you enjoyed today's show, please like, please subscribe, share it with your friends, drop a five-star review. You can always support us financially at patreon.com slash thespeechprof. All links of everything we talked about will be available in the show notes. And most importantly, remember this is intended to be bad advice. Please do not listen to anything we said. I'm sorry. Okay, dope rhyme slinger, good advice giver. Listen for a second, let me try and paint a picture. Raises coming up and you want your check bigger. Moving quiet just won't get you seen. Your boss a clicker, uh.